Hi, my name's Mike, and I have commitophobia. That's right, commitophobia. It all started when I was in junior high. I was on the dodgeball team. The coach, he expected me to go to practices if I wanted to play in the games. So I quit the first day. And then I went to high school. You know, I met the girl of my dreams. We've been dating for 28 years. Yeah, she's asked me to marry her half a dozen times, but I'm just not into that kind of commitment. And you know, for work, I'm not really a career guy. In fact, I work for a temporary agency. I mean, after all, I just go from day to day. If I don't like the boss that day, or the people I'm working with, or maybe the job I'm doing, I just walk right out that door. And a car? Oh, I don't own one of those. I rent. I get a great daily rate from Enterprise. They're probably wondering when I'm going to bring that car back. And my living situation is great. I mean, I don't own a house, and I don't rent an apartment. I go couch to couch. And frankly, who wants to make rent payments, or mortgage payments, or even a lease? You know, I go to four different churches. One of them is great because the pastor tells really funny jokes. And they serve 100% Colombian beans in their coffee. The second church has a great choir. They actually stay in tune. And they also play bongo drums. I love bongo drums. The third one has a great singles ministry. And after all, I am still looking for my soulmate. And the last one's my favorite. Because the pastor there says if you're just visiting, you don't have to put anything in the offering plate. I just let it pass on by. My name's Mike, and I have commitophobia. Do you? I'm not sure what you're clapping about, but uh, yeah, you're like, yeah, that sounds good. All right. Yeah. Good morning. I, I shared with you uh, the second week of September, if you were here, how we, uh, the leadership here has uh, developed and articulated a new mission for Richview, and I thought we'd come back and revisit that, especially if you weren't here but also as a reminder to see if you were paying attention and remembered. So does anyone remember it? No, perfect, so let's practice together. And we put this up here kind of to just jog that memory, but our mission at Richview Baptist Church is to be a church that is joyfully leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So let's just practice that again, just in case it slipped out, you forgot it, and I promise you for the rest of eternity, I will continue to repeat this until it's ingrained there. So are you ready? To joyfully lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and we'll have another practice exam at the end of the service. But that's what we want to be all about here and be really clear about that. We don't want to be just the church that has a bunch of activities. We don't want to just have programs like a Sunday morning where people get stuck there for years and decades 
and the rest of their life, the rest of their week, the rest of their time just looks completely different. So one thing we're doing here is we're thinking about where we want people to end up before we start planning things. And we're thinking about steps because there's so many needs in this city. There's so many things we can be committed to. And so we just want to take time and keep asking the most important, the most difficult question is that Jesus began this church, this movement 2,000 years ago. And are we carrying it on? Are we making any difference in people's lives? Are we making any, any difference in people's lives in Toronto? So we want to be really clearly focused on that, zeroed in on that, and asking that questions. One of our goals for 2018, not right now, but we're moving towards this, 2018, we want the Sunday morning environment here to be a place that you would invite your friends to, your unchurched friends to your neighbors to, people from your campus to, people from school to, and that you would joyfully be about doing that. So that's going to mean some changes. One thing we're working really hard at, I'm working hard in my life, even with the teams here, with our people here, is we want to be understandable. Sometimes when you're around Christians, you start to, too long, you start to speak a language that nobody else understands. And so we want to unpack that. If anything, we want, we, a lot of us need religious detox because we speak a certain way on Sunday mornings, but then the rest of the week, we either don't speak at all to our friends and neighbors or we speak in a way that they don't even understand or it's not relevant to them. So we want Sunday mornings to be, we want it to be fun. We want it to be exciting, but we also want it to be relevant and understanding for everybody who comes in here not just for people who have been here for years and years and years. And, and we want people on Sunday mornings not to get stuck, because even though they might have a great experience here, even though they may come back, we don't want them just to get stuck on Sunday mornings. We want them to take the next step. And this goes for you, too, is if Sunday mornings has been the only step you've ever taken, we want to encourage you to take that next step and get into a group. And that might be a short-term group. Maybe that's all you can do right now. Or it might be a long-term group. A short-term group could be like something like Alpha that we're doing on, on Thursday nights. It might be something like Praise Moves. It might be some other offering. And then uh, we have community groups that tend to go for 18 to 24 months. That's a great place to get connected. Because even though we want to grow as a church, we want to be healthy and balanced as a church, we also believe that smaller is better ultimately. And you need to be around people who, can, who know you, walk with you, and challenge you. We want to do a few things, and we want them to be the very best things. So over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, we've been doing this Committed series. I see a new, few new feasts here, so you're kind of walking into the middle of a series. And it probably feels a little bit more like a class, because I've been just overwhelming you with data. And some of it may not even be understandable, especially if church is new to you. And over these next couple of weeks, what we're doing, though, is we're establishing a baseline. And we're asking the question is, if you belong to a church, and you belong to this church in particular, what does it mean um, that you're committed to? What are you committed to? And so we're kind of laying this baseline of what that looks like. And that baseline has an awful lot of scripture in it. Because that's where we get our marching orders from. It's from God's word. We believe the Bible's true. We're going to be talking about that in the upcoming weeks. But we've got to lay that baseline for 
what am I committed to? What is church all about? And, and you may be here, you may maybe be here for a couple of weeks, and after their service, you're like, well, I thought he said they wanted to be more understandable on Sunday morning. And that was a lot of information, and half of it I didn't even understand. And my challenge with, for you, for, especially over the course of this series, if you have questions, grab one of us after the service. We'd love to unpack this with you. C- contact us throughout the week, because some of this is going to be heavy, and even today, I made your lives easy. I put answers to the fill-in blanks in your inserts, so you don't have to fill in the blanks. So you can just go back to doodling, all right? Because there's an awful lot of fill in the blanks. You're looking there, man, and you're thinking, that is a lot of information. But we're going to be doing that over the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about a very important thing today. So we spent the last couple of weeks talking about commitment to fellowship. What does it mean to be a part of, of God's plan? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus? And my response to that are two things that Jesus calls his followers to do. And publicly, and that's communion and baptism. And we covered those things really, really quickly when we unpacked them more in community groups. But today and for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about mission. And that's the second commitment that we think is really important here as a baseline, is a commitment to mission. And that's a commitment to share the good news about Jesus. Jesus is in Acts chapter 1. We talked about this a bit last week. You will be my witnesses for me to the ends of the earth. So we talked about this a little bit last week too, so let me go back here. But if you were to come across the perfect person, and that person dies, and they come back to life, and they're God, I'm going to listen to that person. I don't know about you. I actually, if I saw anyone die and resurrect, I'm probably going to want to hear their story. In fact, if they're God and they're perfect, I'm going to probably want to learn from them. I'm going to probably want to sit with them. In fact, I may want to even model my life after theirs because they got a few pretty cool things going in their favor. And so the disciples encounter Jesus. He comes back from the dead. It verifies the claims of who he is, that he's God. And they decide they're going to model their lives after him. And that's why this building is here today. That's why we're here today is because that word spread. But the first thing I want to start with, with you today is what was Jesus' mission? So why did Jesus come to earth? We, you've heard about him probably in pop culture. You've heard about him if you've read Bible, the Bible and other books. But why did Jesus come to earth? And what was his mission? And if you want to understand a good, clear mission, a mission comes as a result of a problem. So what was the problem Jesus was trying to solve? He was trying to, this, to solve our broken relationship with God. So thousands of years ago, humanity said, God, we don't like the way you're doing things. We're going to live our way. And God had this perfectly designed, uh, very well-designed world, creation, relationships. We said, God, we can do better without you. We cut them off, and we've been living with this broken world and broken relationships since. And God said, you know what? Humanity's never, ever going to figure this out. I'm going to provide a solution. And so what did he do? He took the initiative to heal that relationship between us and him. Today, if you watch football, football games across North America, you'll see this very famous verse on probably several 
poster boards, and it's John 3.16. Many of us know it, but it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. A lot of us know that verse. We know that's what Jesus came to do. I also love how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says this, God was in Christ restoring the world to himself. And so Jesus' mission was to come down to earth in order to restore the world to himself. So what did Jesus come to do specifically? The good news is we don't have to guess here today. We don't have to have any questions in our mind. Jesus spelled it out for all of us clearly in a number of ways. Most of us are familiar with with the Great Commission. So what was Jesus' mission? But I want to give you a couple other verses that I think you might find very, very helpful. And the first one's this. What was Jesus' life mission? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And if you're feeling lost, if you know anyone who's lost, that's what Jesus came to do. Reconcile and and receive and bring back the lost. John writes in chapter 18 about Jesus. This is why I was born and came into the world to tell people the truth. Or in John 10.10, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. Or John 12, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. And finally, in Luke's gospel, he writes this, I must tell the good news about God's kingdom. This is what I was sent to do. Especially if you ever read through Luke's gospel, third book in the New Testament, you see Jesus use this phrase a lot. There's people coming around him, giant crowds of people wanting him to heal their, their families, heal their family members, feed, feed them, do all sorts of miraculous signs and miracles. And Jesus constantly keeps repeating the same words, echoing the same words. He helps a couple, but he's like, I came here to fulfill my mission. My mission is to preach the good news of Jesus. My mission is to bring the kingdom of God. My mission is to rescue the lost. My mission, even though those are your good things, to feed uh, people who are hungry, to heal the sick. He constantly keeps people at bay. He even avoids towns because what was his mission? To reconcile the world to God. Seek and save the lost. Yeah. And we can see clearly here from these verses, he came to seek and save the lost, tell people the truth, give life, shine in a dark world, and tell the world the good news about his kingdom. So you know this. A lot of us know this. We know Jesus' mission. But I think something that we drift away from is, why should this matter to me? In fact, why should I be joy-filled about that? Pastor, just leave me alone. I feel nice and comfortable in my seat on a Sunday morning. And then I want to just go do my job without the week. Why should we be exhorted or feel joy-filled about telling others I'm comfortable as I am? But I want to tell you 10 things today. I know that's a lot of data. But I want to tell you 10 reasons why you must, you should be joy-filled about Jesus' mission. And the first one's this. If I want to be like Jesus, my life mission must include his life mission. If I want to be like Jesus, my life mission must include his life mission. Jesus prayed this prayer to the Father. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. 
So if I want to be like Jesus, if I want to have the most purpose-driven life, my, my life mission must include his life mission. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What is the purpose of life? For someone who says, Jesus, you're CEO of my life, you're a life leader in my life, my purpose in this life is to grow in the character of Jesus. Because that's all you're going to be able to take into eternity with you is your character. So to spend your life becoming more and more like Jesus in your character, that's your life mission. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't even get started on that. So it's important that you start there. But my life mission must include his life mission. The second one's this. Why should I care about his mission? Jesus expects me to continue his mission. Jesus expects me to continue his mission. Many of you are familiar with this verse. It comes from Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You're familiar with that. It's known as the Great Commission. Do you know Jesus had four other commissions he gives us? Tell me if they sound any different. But Mark tells us in chapter 16, you are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Or John writes in, in chapter 20, with my authority, take this message of repentance to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Or in, act, in, act, in Acts, Luke writes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. Jesus expects us to carry on his mission. So this isn't, if you've seen those Mission Impossible movies where they always got that little preliminary thing, uh, your mission, if you choose to accept this, this isn't mandated, this, sorry, this is not optional. This is not optional. Jesus expects us to continue his mission. Third reason why Jesus' mission must matter to, matter to us. Sharing the good news is my responsibility. Sharing the good news is my responsibility. Ezekiel writes this. This is heavy, heavy, heavy. You must warn them so that they may live. If you don't speak out to warn the wicked to stop their evil ways, they will die in their sin. But I will hold you responsible for their death. And we need to be reminded sometimes, if you don't think about it very often, there's people all around us missing out on eternity with God. They're headed for hell. And if I let them go to hell, if I don't warn them, guess who's responsible? It's me. I can't let anyone else be responsible for those closest to me. For the people closest to me, you can't let other people be responsible for that. They're in your life for a reason. Paul writes this in Corinthians. A little softer, but still strong. Telling the good news is my duty, something I must do. And how terrible it will be for me if I do not tell the good news. If people aren't getting good news, what are they getting? Yeah, they're getting bad news. Or not as good news. Yeah. If I'm a Christian, if you're a Christian, if Jesus is CEO of your life, if Jesus is Lord of your life, if you've committed to Jesus' mission, it's not an optional one. 
It's not an optional one. Fourth reason why Jesus' mission matters to me. Sharing the good news is a privilege. Sharing the good news is a privilege. Back when I was 16, and for those of you um, not as old with me, I, I better do the uh, analog version instead of the digital version. Uh, but when I was 16, all 16-year-olds, especially if you lived on a farm, city people can't relate to this much because you have this thing called public transportation. But as soon as you turned 16, what did you do? You got your driver's license. So a few months before, we had these things called books. And you would get a driver's manual, and you'd read it, and then you'd go on the day you turned 16 and, 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 and do the written test, and then you'd sign up and, Lord willing, get in to see a driving instructor as soon as possible. Sometimes you could even do it the day of. Do your driving test, and then they gave you this thing called the G license. Some of you still have G1s and 2s. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Good luck with that. You got to do like a second test in under five years. But we would study, but always when you opened up the first page of the book, it said driving is a privilege, not a right. And when you're 16, you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and you kind of gloss past that and get to all the multiple choice questions so you could like do your exam or whatever. And then remember, um, you would then maybe do driver's ed because then you could get insurance cheaper, and you'd learn all those rules, like keep your hands at 10 and 2. You just don't remember. That's good. Uh, I never see any of you driving like that, so that's just amazing. And, and they would talk about things like making complete stops. Remember when you used to do those? Yeah, yeah. But just rolling is the way we all operate. But you made sure you had all that down so when the, you came to the driving test, you would do it and you would pass and you'd get your photo taken and you'd get your license and you'd leave. And did you, were you thinking, man, this is such a great privilege as you drove away in the family car? No, you're 16. You're thinking... Woo! Freedom! Right? Parents, this is why your teens and your older kids won't leave home because they don't experience that at 16. Make them get their license. And then they'll, but anyhow, another story. <laughs> it's a problem. It's like, freedom. I experienced that. Maybe some of you remember those days too, especially if you're on the farm. Because now you can, like, go places and it doesn't take, like, my closest neighbor, you know, half a kilometer away. So you just didn't visit anybody unless you're getting milk or something. Yeah, but now there was this freedom. You weren't thinking privilege. But how much more privilege and freedom do we experience by knowing Jesus and being able to share that good news? Paul writes this to the Corinth church. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. Or I love what he writes to, to the church in Rome. I am proud of the good news because it is the power God uses to save everyone who believes. Yeah. Privilege. Yeah, it's a Privilege. We get to steward the best news that anybody can ever, ever hear. 
And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are not free. Privilege ain't a big enough word there. Uh, fifthly, why Jesus' mission should matter to me. Because I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me. Because I'm grateful for what Jesus has done for me. Remember that in the past, you were without Christ. You had no hope. And you did not know God. So often we forget how good the good news is. I, I, I met Jesus when I was five. So sometimes it's hard to, hard to think back, definitely that age, but I had periods in my life where God was definitely in the rear, rear view mirror. But when those times when I've disconnected from God, it's miserable. It's miserable. I'm hopeless. We're hopeless if we don't have God. But today, if you do have God, you have hope. You've got peace with Christ in your lives, and we ought to be grateful for that. And Paul says this, and these are some strong words, but he says this, I have a great sense of obligation to the people in our culture and the people in other cultures. And I, I think I underlined the word obligation there. What's that obligation? I'm grateful for what God's done for me. So if you had the cure for cancer and you didn't share it, how's everyone going to feel when they find out? Yeah, lock them up cut off some parts or do something to it. I had the cure for AIDS and didn't share it. Yeah, criminal. Like, like that's a like criminal activity. If I had the only way to know Jesus Christ, to know God, to get to heaven, and I don't tell people who lived by me and near me, what does that make me? And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that that one died for all. God has never made a person that he didn't love. I know that's hard to think sometimes when you're having issues with your parents or with your siblings or with your boss. But everybody matters to God and God cares about all people so we need to care too. And we gotta be grateful about what God's done for us. How you doing? You okay? Five to go? Right on. I'm going to keep trucking. Okay, sixth reason why Jesus' mission must matter. Because people are hopeless without Christ. Peter says this, Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save people. We must be saved through him. It's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to be reconciled to God. People are lost without Jesus. So we have to share this news. And so what do we do? I love how Paul sums this up in Romans. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. Someone must tell them. God could just write the whole good news in the sky, which would be really, really cool. But he's chosen instead for whatever reason to use you and me. And that's a privilege. God wants us to share the good news because people without Jesus are lost. Seventh reason why Jesus' mission, mission should matter to you and me because God wants everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. 
Paul writes in 1 Timothy, God wants all men, all women to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody to know him personally. In 2 Peter, Peter writes, God does not want anyone to be lost. He wants all people to change their hearts and lives. Eighth reason why Jesus' mission must matter to you and me. I will be rewarded for eternity. Sweet. Some of you are paying attention now. And all of a sudden, wow, rewards, great. Paul writes in Colossians, remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord, which he promised to his people. I used to sit in like eschatology class, end times classes in seminary, and we would debate, what are those rewards going to be? Boats, bigger houses, the right kind of neighbors, whatever in eternity. Scholars argue about this all the time. I don't know about you, but I don't know if there'd be a greater reward than to have my families, my friends, my neighbors, everyone who I've interacted with in eternity with me. Is that not a reward enough? But there's something else being talked about there in Scripture too. So, Number nine, why my mission should be the same as Jesus' is God's timetable for history hinges around us completing our mission. God's timetable for history hinges around us for completing our mission. This one's a bit heavy, especially if you've never thought about this one before. But Jesus says this in Matthew 24, the good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation, and then the end will... It's kind of terrifying, isn't it? So wouldn't it be better the earth will last a whole lot longer if we don't tell anybody? And I've heard that kind of rationale. But first thing's this is uh, all nations... Where are you there? To every nation, that, that's talking 2,000 years ago. The, a better word to use nowadays be to all ethnic groups. So if you read it, to every ethnic group, Jesus is not coming back till the good news has been shared to every ethnic group, every tribe, every language in all the world. So those of you who know the Bible, a bit of scholars are like, well, couldn't Jesus come back at any moment? Absolutely. Well, we know when all ethnic groups have been talked to. Probably not. So these aren't in direct opposition to each other. But what's really interesting about this passage is it's such a profound passage of Scripture. The disciples are trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. And they're wanting to set their watches. Because when Jesus comes back, we should be preparing for that. And then, you know, it'd be really nice. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do today? Clean up the house. You want cleaner, right? Yeah. Your prior, hopefully your priorities wouldn't look any different if that was the case. But, but they're trying to find out when's your second coming, and Jesus won't tell them. The nerve of him. He's like, it's none of your business. So they're trying to get like this prophetic timetable, and he won't give it to them. He keeps talking about mission and evangelism. He goes, don't set your watches, do that. And then what will happen? The end of the world. Stop trying to figure out when the end of the world is. Stay on mission. Focus on that. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but go out and be on mission. Don't be focused on when I'm coming back. So many people I meet, so many followers of Jesus are so focused on end times and they've forgotten this important thing to be on mission. We gotta be on mission. We drift to that. 
Jesus wants us to get out to the entire world and let them know the good news. Focus on purpose. Focus on why you're even supposed to be on earth. Your goal here on earth is not to figure out when the end of the world is to come. Your goal on earth is to partner with Jesus in his mission. And the tenth reason, Jesus' mission should matter to me. I like this one. Not that I didn't like some of the others, but I will be glad when I see people in heaven. I will be joy-filled when I see people in heaven. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 15, I tell you there is much joy in heaven when one sinner changes their heart. Do you know every time someone says yes to Jesus, makes Jesus CEO of their lives, there's a party in heaven. There's a celebration in heaven. And when you get to heaven and you see the people you had a hand in bringing there, you're going to be so glad you did it. You're going to be so glad that you took the time to walk across the room. You're going to be so glad that you walked up to that total stranger in the donut shop or in the coffee shop or in the cafeteria or in the school hallway. You're going to be so glad that you talked to your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your coworkers, the people on campus, the people at school, the people down the road, the people that you work with. How how God brings joy into your life. And that'll bring you so much joy if you can just put your fear aside and and keep your mind on the fact that God has given you this love, this great news to share. And not only will you be glad, guess who else is going to be really glad that you shared that news? The person you shared it with that's in heaven with you. (laughs) Knowing this, what should be my response What should be my response to my life mission? I should be doing everything I can to fulfill it. Paul says this in Acts 20. I want to carry out the mission I received from the Lord Jesus, the mission of testifying to the good news of God's kindness. So in case you lost me about the 10 reasons, 10 10 reasons, not the, but 10 reasons why your mission should be the same as Christ, why Christ's mission should matter to you. I want to just give you four practical steps today as you leave. And they're all in reference to two words, be bold. Can you say be bold with me? Be bold. Let's say it again, be bold. Excellent. First, first is this, be bold in your invitations. Be bold in your invitations. When you have coffee or lunch with that friend, that neighbor, that family member, be bold in your invitation. Maybe you want to invite them to a short-term community group like Alpha, which is just all discussion, Brace, and, and there's dinner. Maybe it's inviting them out on a Sunday morning where we, where we take the responsibility for starting the conversation in terms of relationship with God and in their belief system. We need you all here to be a little bit bolder We need you to be bold in terms of your invitation, not simply for the sake of that person that you're inviting, but so that we as a congregation, personally, at the individual level, stay on task with what God has called us to do. I said a whole mouthful there, but what I'm basically saying is, how do you stay joy-filled? What's our mission? By joyfully leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And if you're inviting people here, especially on a Sunday morning, it's our responsibility, not mine, all of our responsibility to be about that mission. 
and to be doing everything we can to joyfully leading people to Jesus. Second one's this. Be bold in your volunteering. I understand so many of you here are busy. You're so busy. And on Sunday mornings when those ushers, those people who made coffee, those people that are with your kids, those people in the library, those people running audio video, and all those people that I've completely missed and they're going to slash my tires after the service, (laughs) you're being served by really busy people. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines here for six months, a year, ten years, we need you to get off the sidelines. We, We... you need to get off the sidelines and get in the volunteer game. And it may be with kids. It may be uh, in the foyer. It may be here at AV. It may be with lighting. Maybe we need to create something that you think's missing. Maybe it means opening up your home. We can talk about those things. But we need you to get off the sidelines. Third one's this. We need you to be bold in your generosity and bold with your giving. We need you to be bold in your generosity and bold in your giving. We are not simply content to have this big building with a whole bunch of resources and pay a few staff and keep the lights on. I mean, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. But if we're going to leverage this unique, and I'm telling you, we've got this unique opportunity in Etobicoke, in this neighborhood, and in this city, it's going to cost an awful lot of money. And it's going to take a lot of generosity. And the great news is this. Check this out. The money is in the bank. It's just in your bank accounts. Be bold. Last one's this. Be bold in your prayers. I need every one of you to pray bold prayers starting today. I need you to think about that person who's at your work, at campus, at school, down the road, maybe perhaps in your family, who you can't imagine would ever, ever darken the door of a church or be around church people. And I need you to pray for him or her every stinking day. Every day I need you to be praying for them because nobody else is praying for them. So you need to be praying for them. So you remember those four bold things? You remember those things? Be bold in your invitations. Be bold in your volunteering. Be bold in your uh, generosity. And be bold in your prayers. I want to I invite someone up who for me personifies boldness. And some of you already know who I'm talking about, but I want to invite Paul Payne up and just ask him a couple questions. Yeah. Thanks for being a victim today. Fantastic. Uh, Paul has a gift, and if you've been around Paul, Paul has a way of just, like, not even figuratively, but physically getting his foot in the doors and getting to people and talking to people, even some of the most, in some of the most difficult settings. He's going to share a little bit about that. But one question I think would be really helpful for all of us is how do you connect with total strangers? I've seen you do this. You're a master at this. But, but maybe some practical skills, and I know I'm letting your secrets out of the bag here, but yeah, how do you connect with? I think that it starts with me. And so it's... It's what I'm living for. It's, it's an opportunity for me to be able to look at someone's life and to be, to be able to see the need. And it's not something that I create. It's, something that, it's an opportunity that God gives me. But what I do every morning is I ask God quickly, 
Now I can only spend hours, but I ask God what he wants me to do with my day today and, and who or what he wants me to do specifically. And so I spend my day pursuing things um, that he wants me to see. And so that's kind of how I start my day. And I'm just blessed that it happens. It's because it's not really about me. It's about me glorifying God uh, through the things that I do. And so if I could share quick stories, even Friday, it's kind of ironic you're asking me. Uh, Friday, I sat in a meeting uh, with a gentleman who owns 10 stores in the tire industry. And I've been pursuing this relationship for about five years. And so I walk into his office and I see this big picture on his wall. And right now, that's just a big signal for me. And it's a picture of a girl that's obviously died. And to me, that's just an open door to be able to crawl into his life if he lets me. And Most of you, when you see pictures in people's offices, is that where your mind goes? Oh, there's an opportunity. I just, I hope you're picking up on that. That's really important. Sorry, keep going. So I see, um, so we have a conversation and, and I'm a little nervous. And I say, so who's the picture of? And he stops, he's like, do you really want to know? And I'm like, yeah, I'd really like to know. And he's like, it's my daughter. She died. Uh, she was 23, had liver cancer. And he says, would you like to know more? And I said, yeah, of course. And so she was this person who raised money to feed the poor. And she was like this special person. And so um, after he stopped sharing, he goes, I said, I understand your daughter. And he's like, what do you mean you understand my daughter? You don't even know her. I go, but just from what you shared... That then I got an opportunity to share what I work at, and that's obviously our trips into Nicaragua. And I said, I know exactly what she was all about, about trying to help people and, and make people find out who they really are and, and empower people and enable them. And I could see, like, the light bulb turned on in his mind. And then I was able to share, he goes, well, like, why do you do that? I go, I'm serving the Lord. That's why I do those things. So for me, God put me in that situation to use something that existed in my life in a non-threatening way to be able to reach him. So now, the next time I see him, I have a different relationship with him. I have this not service relationship, but I understand him and he understands me. And so for me, I spend my time looking for opportunities to be able to reach people because I think most people really want to be asked. We're just not bold enough to ask. Hmm. And I think, and there's also some perception on my part that if I know that he was closed, I wouldn't have gone there. But I think that I took the risk in trying to make an opportunity to be able to reach into his life. Right on. So I think you're giving some really good practical tools. I think that's helpful for some of us, too, who are just fearful of taking that next step. What do you try to, what do you try to always leave someone with? Mm. Or is it always different? I think it's the hope that they're looking for. I think that I sat in an office once, and a guy's son had hung himself and it's been five years, and he's still struggling. He goes, he doesn't know how to get over that. And I think that's the hope in Christ. And that's where people place their hopes in many things like money or jobs or cars or, or whatever drives you or you hunger for. But I think that if we could be the people that give people hope in Christ or hope in God, um, I think that that's our job. Right on. Last one for you. Uh, what, and this is key, I think, for a lot of us here, but what motivates you? Why do you always put your neck on the line to share the good news of Jesus? I think once you experience how God works and you experience that he has your back and he's obviously put something in front of you, I feel like I'm living when I'm in... But I've heard, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. I know a lot of your stories don't end well. 
when you, when you take a nap. Sometimes it must feel like God like, has just thrown rocks at your back. And so you, I know you sometimes, because you're very bold in your faith, and often you take a lot of abuse for that too. So, what, so I just want to keep asking, I want to ask that question. What, what, when you had those bad times as well, what continues to motivate you with, with just joyfully sharing that good news? I think that once you experience the power of Christ in your life, that is something that you want every day or that you're going to hunger for. And I think that I've experienced the love of Christ and the power of Christ, and that just makes me want more, like a hunger. You know? And so my goal is to let them to see what that hunger looks like in their life, right? And yeah. so we should be hungering for something. And I'm, just, I'm still a broken mess, and I have lots of garbage and baggage that I deal with every day. But my gift is when I'm sharing about Christ, I feel like I'm living and that's kind of what motivates me. Because you're on me. mission. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Do you, do you mind just praying for us? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Lord, we just want to thank you for this opportunity. God, there's, there's, no one above, there's nothing above you, and you don't get nervous. And, Lord, we are your children, and we just pray that you would give us the strength, the will, and the desire to hunger for you, God. And I don't know what that cost is for everyone here, Lord, but we are all disciples of yours. Lord, I pray that you would empower us and drive us, God. Help us to find out what, really, what, what it really looks like to live, live for you, God. Thank you for choosing us to serve you, God, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I want to invite the band up, and I just want to do one more quick reminder. What are the four areas to be bold in? Be bold in your invitations. Be bold in your volunteering. Be bold in your generosity. And be bold in... Prayer. Right on. Bless God. Let's sing in response. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. Uh, this is a new song that we're going to sing this morning. It's more of a missional worship song. It has a little bit of worship element in there, but it also has that, uh, that commitment that uh, we've been talking about for the last few weeks and we've been learning together. Um, so if you feel like singing the song with us, you're more than welcome. If you need some time to, you know, let it sink in, take that too. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of every praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy and holy. There is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder. 
show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me worthy worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you jesus Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy and holy. There is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in the love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not Let's be Let's make this our declaration this morning. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not you are holy. beside you you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those you are holy and holy there is no one like you there is none 
beside you, you open up my eyes in a wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be once more. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. We stand for our benediction. May you go this week thinking more and more about what it means to be on mission with Jesus. And as a result, experience that overflowing joy that comes from that good news. Go in peace. <laughs>